Prof, thanks for your time this morning. Thanks for having me, Sakina. Now, uh, Prof, uh, first off, I mean, we always hear people complaining about, you know, uh, the AU being a toothless dog and the fact that they can't seem to get anything done. But now the issue of funding arises. And uh, the question, therefore, is who should be funding the African Union? Um, well, I mean, I suppose um, the expectation is that member states should, should fund the African Union uh, but at the same time, I, I think it's uh, absolutely fair to say that there's a reluctance, certainly, on the part of some member states to to pay their dues. Uh, the AU finds itself in a perpetual financial crisis uh, every year. So, so the situation since 2002, since the formation of the AU, has been that five uh, member states, uh, South Africa, Nigeria, um, and then three of the five come from North Africa, Algeria, Libya, and Egypt. They paid 15% each um, uh, to the budget of the AU. So the five together um, provided 75% of the budget. Now, that's a very uh, unhealthy situation if you rely on five of 55 states to pay 75%, and 50 are responsible for um, the other 25%. And it's actually the 50 that don't come up with their dues. Now, here's the dilemma just briefly. If we go and do an exercise, you and I, where we look at whether African states pay their dues to the United Nations, I put it to you that chances are that 90%, if not more, of our states would rather pay their dues to the UN in order to get the opportunity in September to, to address the General Assembly of the UN um, in New York rather than paying their own uh, institutions. So I think we have to ask the question whether our states are serious about owning their agenda and whether we take our own continental issues and institutions seriously. Well, given the fact that the headquarters of the AU was actually uh, uh, built and funded by the Chinese, um, that question comes into even more stark focus. The fact that, you know, our uh, 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 efforts seem to be concentrated elsewhere, as you've just pointed out. But, um, you know, so what happens then in the case that you've just outlined where there's um, equitable uh, rather than equal contribution to this fund? Should it then mean that some states should be, uh, you know, uh, more important, should you know, uh, be considered as more senior in this whole uh, transaction? Well, I mean, clearly these states that are paying more would like to have a greater say and influence over the agenda um, and therefore regard themselves as as somewhat more important. But at the same time, uh, so-called, and I really mean advisedly, so-called smaller states don't take kindly to a South Africa and a Nigeria or an Egypt and an Algeria, um, you know, almost uh, using their skills of assessments, their ability to pay as a means to influence the agenda. But this is not unique to the content, of course. We know what's happening in the United um, Nations, that the five permanent members pay more than, than the others, that the United States pays more. China now pays the second largest because China is the second largest economy in the world. So what the Germany and Japan would say to you is that, well, we, we are expected to pay um, a heck of a lot to the UN budget, given the size of our economies, and yet we not have privileged positions in the UN Security Council. So it's, it's not unique, but no, I don't think it's as straightforward as that, that, that the scale that you pay allow you to, to dominate the agenda in the AU. So, so small states are very quick to whip these so-called bigger states into line, and yet 
as I say, they are reluctant. And, I, and it seems to me that, that there are sanctions. Uh, for example, you are deprived of voting rights in the AU uh, if you don't meet your obligations, and I think that that's the route to go. But, but of course, there are more important issues and other important issues on the agenda uh, other than just the scales of assessment issue. But, mm. but you raise a very important issue. And, and, and speaking of some of the other issues on the agenda, um, uh, terrorism inter- incidents in countries like Kenya, Nigeria, and Somalia, and uh, also, of course, uh, the challenges in Burundi, South Sudan, and others are on the agenda. So um, this whole issue of uh, establishing uh, some uh, kind of standby force, an African standby force. Now, again, it speaks again to the issue of funding. Who's going to fund that? How will this actually work? Yeah, you see, you see, here is the dilemma. I mean, I, I'm sometimes a bit perplexed by, by the rhetoric um, and the messaging that, that, that comes out of the African Union. So let's just take the issue you, um, you address now and, and even the very forthright comments by the minister. So the issue of of uh, levies on flight tickets and and um, you know when you book into the hotels, special levies for the African Union. That, that's been on the agenda since 2002. I was very heavily involved um, with drafting documents and, and strategy and vision documents for the AU at the time. I mean, it has been on the agenda. Uh, am I seeing signs that they're taking it more seriously now? Well, I would like to believe that. At the same time, I wouldn't be surprised if five years from now. We come back and we haven't made headway on the issues.